Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything to everyone all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends, as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join me for the very first episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. Uh, I am so excited to be bringing this to life. And to be honest, it's pretty much for one reason. It's all about you. I'm here to talk about all the things that go along with not only motherhood, but life in general, but mainly to help answer the questions that you really want to know. Without the fluff, without the filter, without the perfectly created image, just the raw reality. This season, we'll be delving deep into topics that honestly, we just don't talk about enough. Some of them are educational, some of them are emotional, and some of them may be confronting. But they're all about learning and supporting each other and providing the resounding theme that you are not alone. We have an array of guests coming up, some of whom you may already know, but all of them, I can assure you, you will want to get to know. So if you haven't already, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. But for now, how about we just get straight into it? Today, we have a very special guest on the podcast for our very first podcast, which I'm very excited about. So our guest today is a jack of all trades. She's a mother, a model, a businesswoman, a wife. She's really juggling all of those balls. Welcome to the amazing Rosie Louie. How are you doing? Good, thanks. That was a really nice introduction. <laughs> Make me sound really nice. <laughs> well, you are. You are. It's, it's completely accurate, by the way. So you really do have a lot going in, on in your world, don't you? I do. You do. Um, now, before we even start to talk about everything that you do have going on, I want to touch on the obvious. And um, I know you've told this story a number of times before, but you were actually thrust into the public eye for a different reason. And it's not particularly those that I've just mentioned. So do you want to tell me a little bit more about that? Um, so my husband and I have been together for 17 years. We have four beautiful children. Um, between our third and fourth baby, I was a surrogate for a friend and I had twins for her. Um, and that's kind of the reason my story was picked up, I guess. Um, after our fourth baby was born, I spent a number of months in hospital with, um, a severe infection and almost died. So that's another part of the story that got picked up. Um, but yeah. So that's... A lot going on, and it's funny how you just say it so casually, like, oh, I was a surrogate, and oh, I almost died. Um, let's go back to the surrogacy. So why did it get so much media attention? I think because we were the first in Queensland to do something like this. So when we first um, looked at doing surrogacy, it was illegal in Queensland. Um, I think there was three other states in Australia that 
it was legalised but not in Queensland. Um, so we went down the path of donating eggs. So I donated my he- eggs to her to see if she could fall pregnant herself, which didn't work. Um, so that we did that three times. And by the time we'd done the third round and she didn't fall pregnant, surrogacy actually became legal. And we pretty much wrote the whole law book on it. So we were the first in Queensland. The hospitals had no idea what to do with us Um I couldn't use my original gynecologist that I'd had with the other three kids because the hospital wouldn't take us. So we had to find a new hospital, a new gynecologist, no, obstetrician, obstetrician. (laughs) Um, And yeah, so it was a bit of a, um, I guess, whirlwind that we just walked through and yeah. (laughs) So, I mean, that's a huge thing to do for somebody. Absolutely huge. You know, pregnancy takes a huge toll on the body. Why? Why did you agree to be a surrogate? Honestly, my husband and I had talked about it before we'd even had kids. It was always something we'd wanted to do. We always wanted to help people. And when my friend had gone through, I don't know how many rounds of IVF, it was just something that we both agreed on and we both thought, you know, we have the means to help someone. And I feel that as a friend that you just do whatever you can to help someone in a situation and we could help. So I just, it's, it was a no brainer for the two of us. We thought, let's just do it. Give someone the gift of a child, which is, you know, the best thing in the world is being a mum and seeing that baby for the first time, you know, it's just priceless. And I just wanted to give that to someone who wanted it so badly. Which is just incredible because I don't think it's something that everybody would do as much as we all value our friendships. I think that's still something so selfless to do. Now, you actually fell pregnant with twins. I did. Did you um, did you start to regret your decision when you found out it was twins? Absolutely not. We, we had a discussion at the start because we were the first in Queensland to do this. We didn't really have a rule book, so we didn't know what how it would work out. Um, and we did have a conversation before on if I was going to if we had one and then she wanted a brother or a sister for the one that we'd have was I able to do it again I couldn't answer that question Mm. my husband couldn't answer that question because we'd never gone through surrogacy before and we hadn't finished our family either so we always wanted four kids and at that point we'd only had three so the doctor um, my friend and I had a, a discussion on whether we put one or two embryos back in and we both agreed to put two back in if two took then two took if one took then one took and at least we'd have one baby so that was the thought behind putting two back in and then two took so it was meant to be absolutely yeah yeah because wow that's um a normal pregnancy is hard enough let alone two two children who technically at the end of it aren't going to be yours how was your relationship with adrian through your pregnancy because we all know hormones are nuts and particularly when it's not you know your child at the end of it um in all honesty I wouldn't even have gotten through the pregnancy without him he was my absolute rock through the whole thing and because we'd gone into it together because we knew what to expect we went in there knowing that they weren't ours knowing we were doing a job and that job was to carry them and get them here safely into the world so having us both on the same page was the best thing and honestly couldn't have got through it without him so I wanted him in the delivery room you know he was my support at the end when my friend 
the, what her face when she first saw the babies was everything that we both wanted. So that was, you know, an amazing moment for the both of us to also see together. So, Oh, you just gave me goosebumps. <laughs> <laughs> so adorable. When you handed the babies over, did you feel anything? I felt like I had done my job and that I was proud that because I went into labour, I think, at 28 weeks. So... Mm. I was in hospital for three weeks trying to keep them in because, yeah, my body was just done and they wanted to come out. Mm. Um, So I got them to 33 weeks. And so that in itself was a big, um, big thing for for us to get to that point. So I was just so grateful that they were here, they were healthy and that I'd done my job and that they were, the look on her face was everything that I did it for. So... Which is yeah. just perfect. I know I, I can't, can't even imagine how hard it would be, but thinking of it like a job and being able to see the joy, I mean, that's yeah, that's just incredible. Did you get paid? No. So in Australia, it's illegal to get paid for surrogacy. Um, you just do it because out of the kindness of your heart because you want to help someone. So that's, yeah, that's yep. why we we did it. It's, it's clear that that was 100% your intention. Um, I know afterwards there was a bit of media hype around it. Did you ever expect it to get so much media attention? Absolutely not. Um, I, didn't, I didn't expect the reaction from a lot of people because people actually – well, I know no one knew really much about surrogacy because, again, it wasn't legal in Queensland. So, But when you t- tell people, I was a surrogate, these babies aren't mine, especially when my daughter started – so she was in prep when we were pregnant with the twins and when I had the twins and I would, I'd came, come to school with no babies, people would look at me and think that I'd lost the babies or something had happened. Oh. So you have to explain it so much. To, like, and we didn't even think how much we'd have to explain to other people what we were doing. But people's reactions were really what surprised me. It was like, how did you do that? Why did you do that? How did you give your body up for someone like that and I wasn't expecting that I just thought people would be oh that's great well done Mm. um and move on but everyone was so interested in why and that was kind of a big shock to me because it was just something that I thought you do for a friend like it was just the norm for me oh I mean look you you buy a friend flowers giving (laughs) giving birth to their children is slightly different but I do if I could do it I would have done it 10 times over for 10 other people is just it's the best gift you can give someone and to see that joy on their face is is literally everything so unfortunately I can't um you know um yeah health complications but let's talk a little bit more about that so um surrogacy amazing obviously you had a lot of health issues after the fact um now I know you've spoken about this before but long story short what did it do to your body so I got an infection after the girls were born, ended up going undiagnosed, ended up being an infection of my uterus um, and there was leftover placenta left in that rotted my uterus. So our obstetrician gynecologist said, if you want a fourth baby, do it quickly because it's not looking very good in there. So we w- always wanted four kids, so we, t- we um, tried for our fourth. A year later she was born and after her birth, um, the infection came back and I was, I had, I don't know, three laparoscopies maybe and um, to get rid of blood clots that had grown inside my uterus. And then the obstetrician, he was, he just said, look, we've got to do something. 
I don't want you going septic. Let's we have to do a hysterectomy. Went in to do a hysterectomy. A hysterectomy. How how old were you at this point? Twenty seven. Twenty seven. Um, so went in to do a hysterectomy three days later, and he called my husband from the operating room saying, "We're so lucky we did this because she was days away from going septic. My whole uterus had just rotted, and he had trouble stitching me back up um, after he'd removed it. So um, I was lucky that." you know, that he went in when he did. And then three days after I got home after the hysterectomy, like I just felt so sick and like my body shutting down. I looked at my husband and I said, I'm something's wrong, I'm going to die. And he is usually like a suck it up, you know, kind of like she'll be right kind of guy. And um, he, he looked at me and like, okay, we're going to the hospital. And I was like, shit, I'm in big trouble because he's worried. So went to the hospital and I was diagnosed with peritonitis, which is a life-threatening um, infection of your whole stomach and all your organs. So I spent three months in hospital um, fighting for my life in hospital. He was told at one point um, to consider the fact that I wasn't coming home. And he didn't tell me that till after I'd you know, obviously come out of hospital and he said I remember him saying it was the most lonely drive home by himself having to think of the fact that I wasn't coming back and we have we just had a newborn baby so she was she was three months when I got out of hospital so he's at home with three kids under six plus the newborn baby um and yeah so since then I've always had complications with um scar tissue and just you know women's issues I've had Mm. so I they did a hysterectomy but left both my ovaries I've had another ovary removed so I've only got one left so and it's been I think show our youngest is seven so it's been seven years of like two maybe three operations a year up until last year I only had one so this year we're going for none yay (laughs) um so yeah so it's been it's it's been a bit rough but you know it is what it is and take it all in and get get on with it, really. This is the part of you that just astounds me because you've just got this such a positive attitude to things. And I remember you've said to me once um, prior, a conversation prior to this, obviously, um, that there was a point when you're in hospital and you just – or maybe it was when you got home and you were just really in a flunk because all of this stuff had happened, which – Naturally, I mean, most people would just wallow in self-pity because it's a horrendous thing to go through. And if you feel like you're about to die, you know, there's always that scary part that is it going to happen? How did you bring yourself out of that to then get to this point where you're, oh, it is what it is? Well, I remember in hospital, there was a few times that I'd gone to do a video for the kids to say goodbye and something always stopped me from doing it. And I just, if I do it, that's giving in. If I, if I do that, I can't, I, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to actually do any videos, especially for my newborn who I hadn't even had, you know, a week with to spend time with. So something stopped me from doing it. And then when I got home, it took me about a year to actually get back into the swing of things and into being a, like a proper mum again. I remember coming home... Adrian is like being the best dad in the world. 
had everything in routine, you know, the way their toast was cut, the way, you know, different to how I did it. So I'd come in, cut their toast in triangles instead of squares. And they'd be like, dad, dad cuts it in squares, (laughs) mum. So I felt like I was coming home to like a completely different household. And it took me a while to get back in the swing of things. And then also I didn't want to leave the house because I had this whole thing of why, why am I here? Why am I the lucky one? Why am I able to walk out of that hospital when so many people don't get to and that really stuck with me for a while and I thought every time I'm going to leave the house something's going to happen and the kids are going to be left without a mum or something like that so that was my thought for so long I remember the Christmas holidays one year the first year so I came home in the July I think and that Christmas holidays the kids and I just stayed home the whole time. I didn't want to leave the house. I wouldn't drive anywhere. We just spent the whole Christmas holidays inside. And I remember thinking, this is ridiculous. This has got to stop. And then I started thinking of the positives of that, that I'm here for a reason. I'm here. My kids have me as a mother. There's, I'm so lucky to be able to watch them grow up. And I, and I slowly kind of got myself out of that that funk and I kind of you know just small steps in the right direction small steps going out and nothing happening and being okay with that and being able to tell myself that I'm here for a reason that's such a massive shift but I I love the way you just worded that around small steps and I think that's that's the hardest thing whenever you try to make a change people just want it to happen immediately but it's not it's it's an evolution so I guess for you, that's almost kind of when your career began because that's when you started to write books. I did. So that was our first, um, a friend and I started writing a book on IVF and um, how babies are made through IVF. And so having a project like that and doing something like that really helped um, get me out of it and really helped me focus on something. And once that book was released, we went on to do another one and that was where it started to you know, that I had a purpose that I'm really passionate about writing these this these books and I really want to get that message across. And so that really helped getting me um, to where I want to be in life so short. Like I know it's, it's so cliche to say, but when you're sitting on a hospital bed and it could be your last day, could be your last week on the, this in this world, you think of all the things you didn't get to do and yeah. all the things that you know, I'm not going to be able to watch my kids grow up. You take that stuff so much for granted. And when you're sitting there and you you might not make it, though, that was the moment when I went, if I'm ever in this situation again, I want to know the hand on heart that I did everything that I've always ever wanted to do and that I was the best mum to my kids that I could be. I don't think it's cliche. I think it's so powerful and it's a good lesson to take away from it because unless you're in that situation, we, we do sort of think that we're invincible and you yeah. go, well, you know, I'll, I'll try another time. So you started with books. Your career has certainly evolved from there. I mean, you're a model, you're a businesswoman. How did even, how did it evolve into that? Basically, my husband, before he was, he's a firefighter now. Before he was a firefighter, he worked in, um, we owned a security business and then he worked in um, as a warehouse manager. And when he, he lost his job, we just bought a house and then he lost his job that week that we signed oh, the house. And so me being, I think I was 30, just turned 30, I had um, 
our first baby. I was 21 when we had our first baby. So I had no, um, like, educational background. I have no degree in anything. Um, I think I worked at Supre um, when I was 15. <laughs> which was and, which everyone everyone's did. childhood yeah. dream. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's based. And I did, I did work in the business when we owned a security business. So I know I did have a little bit of a business background, but nothing, like, formal. Um, so I thought, how am I going to contribute to the house when my husband's just lost his job? So I thought, I'm modelling has always been something that I've wanted to do. And so I started with that. I started with promotional work. I'd go and hand out flyers at the Parents, Babies and Children's Expo. And then I started get appro- to getting approached for um, modelling work. And then it kind of just... I started an Instagram four years ago and it kind of just took off from there I'd post behind the scenes of what I was doing and people just liked that I guess and then it took off from there and then did you um, have much of an Instagram following at the time when I started I had about five people (laughs) me, and one of them was my husband oh Um, shout out to Adrian (laughs) he's the real MVP number one um but yeah, so I just slowly built it up really. And I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never, you know, I remember watching a video back of one of our home videos and I was asking our 21-year-old, my 21-year-old cousin, oh, what's Instagram? I've no idea. And she's like, it's this really cool app that you post photos. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, whatever. And then now that's basically what I, you know, part of my job. So um, I just I just winged it really. Yeah. Just, just winged it, and now you are where you are with, yeah. you know, close to two hundred thousand Instagram followers, and your modelling's a career. You've you've reached out from there. So when you, um, and we'll touch more about your career in a minute, but obviously there was a shift in dynamic. You know, you were starting to earn the money. Adrian was at home. How did he take that? He was fine with that. I mean, he. I watched him work over 100 hours a week when we had our when we had the business and he you know I was a single mum for and I hate saying it like like that because I know I wasn't a single mum but he was never home I had the three kids under four um from you know 6am till he'd come in the door maybe at midnight most nights so he was just working so much to to um provide for our family and I thought you know what it's my you know you sit you enjoy the kids for a while you haven't got the chance to be here when you've wanted to be here so you that's it's your time to do that until we knew he was he was getting into the fire service so that was only um six months down the track so for that six months I was like you you enjoy the kids I'm gonna go out and try and earn us some money <laughs> and um and there was it was a shift it was a shift from doing it as a, something that I kind of fell into to turning it into a business and and turning into a passion and what I actually wanted to do and what I with, with so many followers come I feel comes a responsibility of of um the right kind of influence I want to be someone that my daughter that I would let her follow and be happy that she was following oh absolutely and I think that's really important when you say um something that you fell into to a business what do you think was the pivotal point in terms of hang on this is this isn't just a hobby or this just isn't me making a little bit of extra cash while we wait for Adrian to be a firefighter where do you think the shift happened um I think when 
I started getting messages from people and young girls and mums um, about how much of an influence I was making on their lives to follow their dreams, to not give up. I mean, I was 30 years old when I started my modelling career Mm. and, you know, most people would think that's too old but I was like, no, it's now or never. I'm going to give it a go. I want to know that I've done everything I can to achieve that goal. Um, And I think being a role model for those people was really important to me. So I think that's where the shift kind of kind of happened yep and I think it's so important to have that support from home as well particularly as a mum because as much as I don't think there are any age limits anymore well I mean probably to an extent depending on what you want to do but um, it's important to have that support how do you and Adrian juggle everything well we're very much just to say yes and figure it out later kind of people so <laughs> like if I I remember when I first started it was say yes to everything and then you know if I have to be on a plane that afternoon at five o'clock we'll work it out so um he now he's a firefighter so his roster is two days on two nights on and then he gets four days off in a row so we're very very lucky in the fact that I can work my um if I need to travel I can work that around his roster um but now with mum network it's just juggling everything in between I have I have a point where I want I need to pick up my kids from school and drop them off in the morning so I make sure I I do my work around pick up and drop off time if I can't make pick up or drop off time I'll know Adrian will make it or um someone that like my mum that we trust completely is going to be there for them because I think that's really important that they have that stability that one of us is picking them up in the afternoon um, and dropping them off. So that's my kind of non-negotiable thing that we do. So, yeah, I think it's important to have those non-negotiables, particularly when you're starting to expand. Um, When you're self-employed, you know, hours can be absolutely crazy and having that stability for the kids is really important. That's actually probably a perfect segue. Mum Network, you've, you know, started as a model, did your Instagram, you're still doing your Instagram, but you've evolved that into a business of sharing that passion with other mums. So uh, what what is Mum Network? So Mum Network is an agency dedicated to representing just mums. There was a niche in the market. Mums are the decision makers of the household. There's no agency out there in Australia representing just mums, focusing on just mums. And I'm giving them a voice. So that's what Mum Network is. That's what I'm passionate about doing. I want to create an agency that's dedicated to them and and brands alike. Yeah. So if you, ha- I mean, if you have a look at the Instagram feeds, oh, I know mine, and maybe it is because I'm a mum. But in general, mums dominate the Instagram world because they're always sharing, they're always talking and people want to listen. They do and they talk about real things as well and people want to listen to that. They want to know what's what and mum, especially new mums as well. I find that interesting though because a lot of people who started Instagram a couple of years ago and there's a lot of chat around the fact that it was easier to build a following back then because you didn't have the algorithm and all that annoying technical stuff. Why would you want to share that? with other mums because essentially it's your competition I don't see it as them as my competition I see them as me being their mentor no one's had my journey no one's had my story um and there may be similarities between other mums and me but why is there only room for one I see my role as I've I've worked with brands and I've worked with um other influencers and I know 
how brands work I know how influencers work and putting that together in mum network it was my goal and that is why I want to share that with everyone else mentor these mums into becoming a business rather than a you know rather than just doing the the occasional post so speaking of um your evolution of your business I mean it started out you've you've fell into it you did your modeling you did your instagramming and now you've evolved into running a business what does that look like for you I started my Instagram four years ago with no real goal I just wanted to see what would happen you know and I got myself to a certain point but then there's a point where I needed help with what I was what I was trying to achieve and my goals for my brand as myself so I sought out an agency and um that's what got me to the next level so now um I'm focusing on different things than I was when I didn't have an agency and do you feel like that's what motivated you to create an agency because not coming from that particular background is it just because you saw value in the niche in the market Absolutely. And I thought, I think that I've learned so much over the last four years of doing my own Instagram that I think I can really bring a lot to the table and help a lot of mums out there um, who don't really know where they're going or don't really know what their passion is in life and don't really know, have, have something, but don't really know where to take it. Yeah. Is it scary starting your own business? I don't think, uh, I wouldn't say the, scary is the word. I would say um, I'm more excited than scared. Um, we've it's just oh, it's been three months. I think we've had Mum Network going, and it's been the best three months ever. It's everything's so exciting, and um, we've scaled so quickly, which is great. And it's it's gone. Um, it's taught me a lot already in the last three months. I've just been thrown into, I guess, business itself, and I'm absolutely loving every minute of it. No, that's so good to hear. I think that's uh, something that a lot of mums hold back on because it's the unknown, right? And particularly if you don't come from a business background or um, you haven't actually run a business before, it's quite daunting. Um, When it comes to your home life, what do the kids think about this? Because mum is, well, I mean, I'm sure they think you're superwoman anyway, but juggling all these balls, what do they think? I don't think they really care. I just want to my whole goal was to show the kids that no matter what your age is no matter um what background you come from you know what circumstances are going on in your life that you can achieve what you want to achieve and you can achieve your goals no matter what so for them to see me doing what I'm passionate about and what I love doing um was really important to me so as as I, I even though I'm not there at every you know moment that I maybe should be there at school if I miss a school performance or I miss a school award ceremony I know the mum guilt gets you know does get to you but I know that they know that it's it's because I'm I'm trying to um achieve my goals and I want to and they know that that's what they can do later in life and that's more important to me that they know what they're worth and aren't afraid to go after what they want Yep, such a good point around the mum guilt. I think that's what holds a lot of us back as well. And we just want that comfort to know that the kids do see that it's for them and, and for their future. And and I think if you have your non-negotiables like mine, picking the kids up from school, dropping them off at school, and I think if you have that to stick to and the mum guilt can be a little bit less, at least you know you're doing the, what you set out to do and that the kids know you're going to be there and the kids rely on that. So I think that's, that's important and I think that's a way to get around the, the mum guilt there's always going to be mum guilt mum guilt something that's never ever going to go away so 
just got to harness it and work around it, I guess. Yep. Use it as more motivation. That's right. Absolutely. Um, what do the kids think? Do, do the kids get much commentary around you being in the social media spotlight? Do they? Have you ever had many comments around that? Um, my daughter is 14. She's at the age where a lot of her friends are using Instagram. Um, and I've had a few of them, especially when we go to school events, come up to her and ask if I can follow them back on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> that's so <laughs> Which cute. Which is quite cute. Um, but I always ask her first, you know, I don't want to embarrass her or anything like that. Um, but I think, um, they all, they all just take it, take it in, take it in their stride. I, I don't think that they get to do some pretty fun things. So I think, I think that's always exciting. But, um, I remember last year I took my daughter shopping, my 13 year old, and we walked into a swimwear, swimwear, um, shop and the lady behind the counter was like, oh my God. Hi Rosie, I follow you on Instagram. It's so nice to meet you. Can I get a photo with you? And I was like, Oh sure. It's so lovely to meet you. Everything had a photo, and then we walked out of the shop. And my daughter turned to me and she said, "I am never going shopping with you again." Uh. That was so embarrassing. <laughs> You're like, it's not my fault that I'm famous. I'm okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry it won't happen again. <laughs> I love that you're apologising. I'm so sorry for my fame. I'm sorry that that's such my an inconvenience. <laughs> I think it's such a good point, though, like as long as the kids understand it and, it and it is a job, you know, that's just part and parcel of what you do. Yeah. So anybody who is trying to turn, you know, whether it's Instagram or um, have a business startup idea, what advice would you give to them? I would just say that you're never too old to start a business. I think um, the most important thing is to just start and put one foot in front of the other. Small steps in the right direction are all it takes. And um, you can think about it for as long as you think about it or you can start and just make a difference and make a start and always look back on what you've achieved. It might it might um, seem like you haven't done much and once you look back on everything that you've done, you'll, you'll realise how much you've actually achieved and that's motivation to keep going. And my motivation is my kids and my family as well. So, you know, I make it work around around them and around, you know, obstacles are always going to come up. You can either hide behind them or you can find a way to work around them. So I think that's really important. Absolutely. I love that advice, one foot in front of the other. And, you know, it's like what you said, you can sit there thinking about it or you can do something. Going into the modelling world, particularly at, say, over 30, did you get a lot of rejection? Um, I, when I first started modelling, I didn't tell anyone how old I was and oh. I didn't tell anyone that I had kids. So I, I was competing with you know, 17, 18-year-olds and no one was actually questioning it, which I thought was great. So I just laid low and did my thing. And then when people started finding out that I had kids and that um, I was actually over 30, <laughs> it kind of became not – people were more interested in working with me because of that. And it kind of – I kind of thought, you know, I've got to pave my way – my own little way in this industry of people who think that you can't be over 30 and do it. So I kind of, I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing. Just keep going. If, you know, there are people that wouldn't work with me because, um, you know, I remember one job I was on, I was a swimsuit model. I had done swimsuits for, you know, two years before this, never had any issues. Then this one, um, one job, I was told that I 
um, they wouldn't work with me because of the stretch marks on my stomach. Wow. So what did they ask you to, did you get onto the shoot and they asked you to leave? Or? Yeah. So it was, I was on, on set and um, they said, look, we, we're not going to be able to make it work with the stretch marks on your stomach. And at that, that point I was like, hang on a minute, I've got to embrace the fact that I've had six six children I'm doing what I'm doing so if you know there are going to be people that don't want to work with me so it's it's funny though to looking at you and you're absolutely stunning and and I've seen you in swimsuits that sounds really creepy but you know (laughs) (laughs) it's on your Instagram it's completely defendable it's amazing to think that somebody wouldn't want to work with you because I've personally never looked at your photos and gone oh she's got stretch marks but even if I did I think that's particularly for your audience that's appealing right because so many women do you can show that you can have babies and you can do what you want to do and you can be a swimsuit model no one's saying I I just think it's ridiculous that you have to look perfect because I've been in a swimsuit I don't look perfect I'm not perfect I'm not claiming to be perfect and I think that um you know there needs to be more of that in the industry and I think there is it's becoming more um acceptable in the industry and I'm glad that I've kind of paved my way and made it okay Absolutely. And I think it can extend to regardless of what you want to do, just making sure that you don't let those concerns of yourself or concerns of others define you because there's definitely a path, even if you have to pave it yourself. So before we wrap up, I want to talk to you about, um, we touched on before around mum guilt. Now I'm a huge advocate of sort of trying to maintain a little piece of yourself in motherhood because it is really easy to lose yourself. And I like to call it the me before mummy. What is one thing that you do on a regularly consistent basis that helps you reconnect with the person you were before kids um I think I would say working out I love to have that me time I like boxing and you know just to get all your frustrations out I like to hit something (laughs) Um, so just even having that I think hour to yourself which is a lot easier for me to say because my kids are now high school and primary school so it's a lot easier for me to get that hour to work out but I, I would say working out for me but, um, you know, even five minutes by yourself to reconnect and, and to remember, you know, who you are and, and that you're not just someone's mum um, okay. is really important. I couldn't agree more. And it, it, it is, it's, it's an easy thing to get caught up in motherhood. And, but. and I, I think some people um, feel guilty for thinking, for thinking that as well. Absolutely. So I, I'm not just someone's mum, but it's true. You're not. You were someone before you had kids and you can still be that person. I mean, the first few years of having a baby, everything's a blur. Everything's just babies, babies, babies. But once you're out of the, that fog, there is time to, to sit back and, and remember who you were and what you want to do and what you're actually passionate about. And it's I think that's important that you still follow that. I could not agree more. I think that's actually the perfect way for us to wrap up. Thank you so much for sharing your story, Rosie. Uh, everything that you've been through is just phenomenal and where you're, the direction that you're heading now is phenomenal. And I think if someone can't be motivated by that, you know, if you've had the thought of I want to do more or I want to start something or I want to go in a different direction, it's absolutely never too late. Um, so I will be popping Rosie's details in the show notes so you can follow her along um, on Instagram along with the Mum Network. Uh, but thank you again so much for joining us. I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Thanks for having me. Thank you.
Wow. I have actually heard Rosie's story a number of times. And to be honest, I feel like I take something new away from it every time I do hear it. So just to wrap up a few key themes that I took away from our discussion, the first being that no one has your story. You are 100% uniquely you, and that is something that nobody else can take. So don't be afraid to share your story because that's what differentiates you from everybody else. Secondly, use your experience as motivation to either do the things you've always wanted to do or to make a change in your life so that you truly can live without regret because you know what? Life is far too short. And lastly, if you have a dream or something that you would like to achieve, here's the advice. Just start. Put one foot in front of the other, no matter how long it takes you, no matter how scared you are, it's worth making that move. If you want to continue following along Rosie's journey, you can find her over on Instagram at Rosie underscore Lewick or at Mum Network, which is at Mum underscore Network. You can also find myself, your host, Danny, over at, at Mummy Republic. Now, before I let you go, there is one more challenge that I want to set for you. You may have noticed the last segment of the interview was when we talked about what life is like before motherhood and reconnecting with that person, which I think is absolutely crucial for all mums. I like to call it the me before mummy. So here's your challenge. If you do take that time for yourself, which you truly deserve, make sure that you take a little snap, use the hashtag the me before mummy and tag me at mummy republic in your shot so that not only you can share those ways that you reconnect with yourself with other mums but also have the chance to get a shout out on the next episode but in the meantime remember to take a breath take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again. Lots of love and I'll see you next week.